Welcome to the Brands Making New Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. Yeah, believe it or not, this is actually two consecutive weeks of this groundbreaking, gut-bunching show. Did you know that there are over 4 million different podcasts alive and kicking? And of those 4 million, only 3,000 have churned out an episode in the last week. Dreams die, people. They really do. But in all seriousness, it was a huge week in the wide world of sports. First, the NFL draft kicked off on Thursday, held for the first time ever in what used to be the laughingstock of the league, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, there were some changes to the format, as it was the first real draft since COVID started, but a lot of things were still the same. Browns fans were intoxicated, Roger Goodell was booed, and Jerry Jones is still really old. The first round of the draft was interesting. Trevor Sunshine Bodie McBoatface Lawrence was taken first overall. That didn't really surprise anybody at all. The number two overall pick was BYU slinger Zach Wilson. Wilson was one of the faces of college football this past year and the highest NFL draft pick in the history of BYU football. There was a little confusion on draft night, however, as he was entering the facility, security actually stopped Wilson and called the local Chuck E. Cheese telling them that one of the local children had escaped without parental supervision. In all seriousness, though, Wilson is a highly touted prospect who will have the weight of the New York Jets franchise on his shoulders. There was a moment on draft day when you could see this burden all over his face as his fellow number one draft picks from all over the country flashed what he thought were gang signs for reporters and photographers. I see where he's coming from as the only real rival gang signs a kid from Provo, Utah has ever seen is the sign of the cross from Catholics. Mac Jones became the Bo Callahan of the NFL draft when he wasn't taken third overall by San Francisco. The 49ers actually decided to go with Trey Lance, a player who doesn't currently have a keg for a beer belly. I feel a bit bad for Jones. I really do. He was the brunt of everyone's jokes. Go look at all the memes surfacing on the web when he walked over to the stage as his name was called as the 15th overall pick to the Patriots. They ranged everywhere, from Vince McMahon being introduced at WrestleMania to a high school principal storming off to go pinch a loaf, to a local bread-making businessman looking to ask for $100,000 from the Sharks for a 10% ownership stake in his company, to a nerd at recess going to tattle on a kid to his third-grade teacher. And the photos. Oh, we get it. The guy has man boobies with a side of pepperoni nipples all while he's smoking a cigar. That's not a good look. But hey, this kid is marketable. Yes, the first corporate sponsor to contact him after he was drafted was Cosmo Kramer and Frank Costanza asking him to be the face of the bro. Or did they call it the man's ear? I forget. Regardless, Mac Jones is a marketable face for men in their 50s who need lumbar support for their baggage up top. Mac Jones, he's a brassiere for men. I know, I know. I need to give Jones more credit. Maybe he is the real deal. I mean, think of the battles he had to face as a guy who couldn't outright win the starting job on his team. Even despite that obstacle, he was still able to find a way to win when only 40% of his offensive starters were first-round draft picks. I mean, the kid's a winner. And yes, maybe social media did lambast a shirtless picture of him standing next to Tom Brady's draft pick and compared the rejects from the chess club, but hey, come hell or high water, or even being aggressively forced to use a bench press... Mac Jones is numero uno in Boston. One of the biggest stories of the first round was the Chicago Bears trading up to draft Ohio State star quarterback Justin Fields. This is the first time since shag carpet was a thing that the Bears are actually confident in the man they have under center. After the draft, reporters asked head coach Matt Nagy why he picked 2019 Heisman finalist Fields 
instead of 2020 national champion Mac Jones. Nagy responded saying, well, Justin Fields has the same number of losses as a starter that Jones has DUIs. So it was a pretty obvious choice for us at that point. All right, all right. That's the last time I'll throw shade at Mac and Cheese Man Boobs Jones. I promise. In another story on draft night, Aaron Rodgers is a diva. Also, Chris Paul knows how to flop, so nothing groundbreaking there. Rodgers attempted to steal the limelight for the rest of the rising stars by releasing a report just hours before round one saying that he was unhappy with the Packers, that he wanted out of Green Bay, and that he is seriously considering retirement unless they trade him. Only minutes after his frustrations mounted on Twitter did reports begin to circulate that he was opting out of the NFL and joining the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know what to say. This super team crap has got to stop. Rodgers' frustrations were apparent for years as he always played with a chip on his shoulder. What surprised me was how much the death of Alex Trebek would impact the MVP quarterback. I mean, hosting Jeopardy is a great gig and all, and it may go down as the greatest game show of all time, but LeVar Burton is truly the heir apparent to that Canadian legend. Not you, Aaron. Just let the reading rainbow icon take his place behind the podium. Aaron Rodgers is a diva. That's a known fact. Everything is always about him. He was mad when 23 other teams passed on him in 2005. He was mad when Hall of Famer Brett Favre kept the starting job for two years instead of passing the baton directly to him. Hell, he was mad when JoJo Fletcher picked his little brother Jordan instead of proposing to him on The Bachelor. You're telling me Aaron has to play second fiddle by marrying Shailene Woodley? Oh, the humanity! Do you see the gauntlet that this man has to live through every single day? You can never please him. However, the Packers have never really supported him either. They've never given him the best possible tools to get him over the hump and win another Super Bowl. NFL beat writer John Clayton put it best by saying, Of the Packers' last 10 first-round picks, nine of them had been on defense. The one time they decided to pick on the opposite side of the ball, they picked Jordan Love, a guy to replace him. Yeah, I get Rodgers' frustrations. The entire situation, though, is a nuthouse. In a 48-hour span, he pulled the narcissist card on the NFL draftees, demanded that the Packers fire their GM or else he would retire, and then showed up at the Kentucky Derby with what looked like a mullet and a name tag that said Turd Ferguson. I kid you not. It has been a really weird two days for the Packers. And these people wear cheese on their heads for fun. Sticking with Divas, after much fasting and prayer, Tim Tebow announced that he would be attempting an NFL comeback with the Jacksonville Jaguars to return as a tight end. Of course, this would give him a chance to reunite with former college coach Urban Meyer, but it also means that he would be banished to Jacksonville, Florida, which aside from Las Vegas is the closest thing to hell for a modern-day Christian like Tebow. To wrap up the draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Grant Stewart, a linebacker from the University of Houston with the 259th draft pick, or what is formally known as Mr. Irrelevant. I gotta say, I am not a fan of that term. Stewart's a four-year player out of the University of Houston who made a second-team All-American Athletic Conference, who was drafted by the reigning Super Bowl champions. The guy is going to make close to half a million dollars this year because of his dedication to football. Mr. Irrelevant is not an appropriate title. That should be reserved for a balding, middle-aged travel agent named Keith living in his mother's basement who has an unhealthy obsession with Pokemon Go and whose favorite meal is the Fiesta Lime Chicken at Applebee's. That would be a Mr. Irrelevant, not Grant Stewart. Shifting to the NBA, 
LeBron James came back from a 20-game absence with a high sprain on his ankle and made the bold statement that he didn't think he would be back to 100% ever again. As much as I have been the antagonist for the LeBron James fan wagon, and I know I have been, I'm actually excited to see one of the greatest ever walk the floor again. Even if it's 10% of him, I still love watching James play, despite all the flopping, the super team bandwagon jumping, the anti-Hong Kong protest tweeting, and starring, producing, and marketing Space Jam 2. I would still pay to see 10% of LeBron James. Also this week, former NBA star Robert Ory received his bachelor's degree from the University of Alabama. Props to him for that accomplishment. I'll tip my cap to him. Yes, it's a school that offers four-year degrees in bootlegging as well as marriage and sibling therapy, but I'm proud of Big Shot Bob for going back to finally get his diploma. Okay, that is the last Alabama joke, I promise. Bryce Harper was hit in the face by a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, which knocked him out with a concussion. Following the game, Harper took to Twitter to issue an everything's okay statement to his fans, but surprisingly opened his video feed quoting Sloth from the Goonies saying, Hey, you guys! Obviously, the aftershock of the concussion was still affecting him a little bit. Sticking with the subject of potential brain injuries, Floyd Mayweather is scheduled to fight celebrity YouTuber Logan Paul in June. The event is actually being marketed as a swing and salsa, as immediately following the fight, Paul and Mayweather will then compete for the crown on season 30 of Dancing with the Stars. Yes, that's what sports entertainment have turned into. Boxers doing ballet. Groundbreaking news below the Mason-Dixon line is the Kentucky Wildcats women's volleyball team was crowned national champions. The SEC took to Twitter following the victory to announce that they now have a national championship in all the sports that the conference sponsors. It should also be noted that the SEC does, in fact, have national championships in pole dancing, crawfish fighting, shotgun weddings, and public intoxication, despite the fact that these events are not actually sanctioned by the NCAA. And finally, in New Zealand, a greyhound named Zipping Sarah tested positive for methamphetamine after winning a dog race. PETA activists were apparently furious about this kind of animal abuse and behavior. They even tracked down the dog's owner and training facility to a large Winnebago sitting just outside the Albuquerque city limits. So what did we learn this week? We learned that the American public craves, nay, has an addiction to the sport of football. To the point that they think the shores of Lake Erie are an ideal travel destination. Yes, there are divas, drug abuse, and drunk fans booing the commissioner, but we as fans crave this kind of hard-hitting drama. We learn that some quarterbacks are obsessed with themselves and will stop at nothing to bask in their own glory. I still don't understand how difficult his life is when Aaron Rodgers can show up to the Kentucky Derby with a name tag that says, Turd Ferguson, get a grip on reality. We learn that the NBA doesn't care about the regular season, or their actual fans for that matter, by all of the games they take off for load management. The way these players keep dropping like flies, they could change the name of their league to the National Cautionary Committee. And finally, we learned that dreams really do come true, as long as you put your nose to the grind and work your tail off. Yes, circumstances and luck can play a part in your good fortune, and yes, you may also be coached by a goat and be surrounded by all-American freaks of nature on both sides of the ball, but the important lesson to learn is that even if you have a dad bod before you turn 25, anything is possible. That's our show. I definitely will be back next week, unlike sobriety in Cleveland.